This is a Rooster Teeth production. In 1987, a local Chicago, Illinois broadcast signal was hijacked. Viewers were subjected to a person dressed as a popular TV character of the time, acting and speaking in a strange, erratic manner. Today, we look at the bizarre case of the Max Headroom incident. This is Red Web. Welcome back to another weekly episode of Red Web. I'm Trevor Collins. That's Alfredo Diaz. If you're new to the show, we cover a new mystery every week. Fredo, how you feeling about this one? Yeah, we do. Um, like a hijacking of like a like a TV network. Yeah, TV station. That's insane. Either inside job, which I'm sure is part of one of the theories, mm. or um, they have some exposed. <laughs> All right, look, I just watch a lot of movies. Okay. There's an exposed circuit box somewhere <laughs> yeah. that someone got to. Yep. And hi, don't shake your head. No, Chris, Chris no, is shaking just, his head. No, that's not that. improv. That's not yes that's and, Christian. Not, it's not yes and. That's yes and. And what are you talking about? I'm listening. <laughs> You're making me feel that. subconscious, I'm man. Yeah. Look, someone hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> Spin facts. <laughs> giggling away. <laughs> There's some kind of circuit box on the outside of a building that someone hijacked. Yeah. And they took over yeah. the signal. Weird that. Yeah. I mean, they're. I guess uh, impersonating a popular character. Um, right. Boy, I mean, we haven't gotten into it yet, but it isn't, I mean, it could be bad. You know what I mean? Someone hijacking your TV network, it's, it can get it's, really Yeah, it's bad. really sketchy. You could do a whole lot of stuff with that. Hold on, I'm going to stretch my legs out, get comfy real quick. Um, you yeah, know, so we're, we're recording in person again, so you know me. I like to stretch my legs out when I when I do this show. I like to... Get real comfy, cozy. Is, uh, We're in the comfort zone right now. So this is our second week of uh-huh. recording this show. Why can't you look at me? In the office. Describe um, the man in front of you. What are you seeing? Mistake number one, before I describe the man in front of me in grave detail. Uh, mistake number one, Christian spilling yep. Trevor's water all over Christian's own Erratic. laptop. We did do that immediately. Erratic behavior. Yeah. Just like <laughs> Max Headroom. the first thing that happened. Two weeks in to filming <laughs> in person and we're falling apart already. <laughs> Secondly, uh-huh. this man. The Adonis ahead of you. <laughs> Trevor. Yeah. Doubling down yeah. on comfort. Uh, <laughs> that's a fresh pair of Crocs, bro. Oh, they are, n- they are freshly broken and in. you're wearing the, is that the Remy Tim socks? Yeah, we got, yeah. So we got some... Uh, so one's like tie dye orange. orange, one's tie dye purple. Yep, and it's just a black on black pair of Crocs. I mean, at least the man went black <sighs> on black with it. But um, what you guys don't know is this man sent me a damn text message, uh, <laughs> which was a video of him just like, "Hey man, I just want to check in, see how you're doing." And then in the background is the Croc store. <laughs> <laughs> like absurd. <laughs> You know what you're gonna do. You know, this, there's a this, croc store in Austin. I didn't know that. I mean, I look. Man, I had crocs to rush are way up bigger there, and they deserve to be. <laughs> um, in my very no, very little knowledge of the company, I'll educate you. Um, <laughs> never have worn the shoes. You see, you're messing up here, Trevor. Mm-hmm. Okay, because what you're doing is you're setting a standard for the uniforms for this <laughs> <laughs> I told for the Christian, task force, okay? I told Christian this it's is, true. This is a conversation we, we, we have this amazing, especially when you look at Sanja's artwork from the Red Web Radio, which I don't know if we've re-uploaded that to the YouTube channel. We have. Oh, cool. It's up there. Uh, so it's there as well now, if you want to check it out, youtube.com slash redwebpod. It's an amazing aesthetic. It's us uh, buttoned up, white Oxford shirts, rolled up sleeves, 
Very yeah, noir, sophisticated. You got those pleated pants down to the boot, uh, or, or no, they're dress shoes, like yeah. leather shoes. Yep. And I told Christian, I'm like, I'm I'm on the precipice of turning this show into the cozy it. zone, mm-hmm. where it's just a bunch of bean bags in a bedroom. And a couple boys hanging out with some loose paper and spilled water. It's, ri- it's ridiculous. It's a totally different image than yeah. I had expected. Yeah, I mean, we got a mystery in front of us, but there's no mystery that you've lost it. This <laughs> 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 man went to the crock store. I listen. I am cozy. I am I, real good. Yeah, listen, these are, are. Let me show you up close. These are this fur ridiculous. lined. And they're the mostly pairs of Crocs that I've seen. And they're, they're the biggest pairs of Crocs that they had in stock, dude. Because oh, like, yeah, they get the fur lining. Turns the out I'm not their prime demographic. I no. had I had the poor girl working there, just scouring the yeah. back room looking for any size twelves. Yeah, because this whole I, this I, the, I think the average size I saw was seven. Mostly selling to kids, I guess. Well. <laughs> like I'm a big baby. <laughs> Apparently, they, like she was telling me, they were flush with twelve. She doesn't know what happened with them, so maybe, oh, maybe man. I'm just a little late to the trend. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's just weird. How that company still chooses to design those shoes that way. <laughs> <laughs> they have a wide variety, and this is Crocs. You know, this could be brought yeah, to see, you by. Well, but you it went ain't. with the classics. I went with the classics <laughs> with the fur line. And I'm cozy. I'm, I'm cruising. But I want to talk about Max Headroom for a second because this is an incident I have known about for quite some time. And, and spoiler alert, they haven't found the man, which is very interesting, especially when we, and we'll talk about this later, a couple other uh, TV station hijackings that had happened around that time that set the precedent. So wait, do we, we know it's a man? Uh, we're, I'm saying he because right. of the character being Max Headroom and the body language, the body. Oh physique, yeah, because the, the, yeah, the, you can kind of tell with the voice. There's right. some details that make me uh, okay. that indicated it might yeah, be. Yeah, I was he. just curious. But but to be fair, we don't know who it is, and it could be anybody. Oh. Um. So yeah, that's a good point. But uh, yeah, let's dive into the incident, kind of what happened. Uh, that's the information I'm pretty aware of personally, because I've heard about this several times. But the interesting stuff comes kind of in the investigation, because I, until researching this with the team, hadn't really looked into the investigation itself or any of the theories or suspects. So I'm super excited to be talking about that part of this particular uh, mystery. Could you imagine just the fear uh, that like the head of the network would have? Oh, my God. The station getting hijacked? Mm-hmm. I mean... God, uh, it just happens in front of you. And this is maybe the third time yeah. that something like this has happened in by the time that this happened mm-hmm. in 87. So, yeah, that's just, look at that. At that point, I would implement some type of big button to push to oh, yeah? just kill the or, or or a big power plug. Not like a simple one. I wanted like a meaty plug that I can <laughs> like, like run s- over the one that Spider-Man pulls out when yeah. Doc Ock is going to blow the building up. I know exactly the one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe something a little easier to pull. Oh, because you don't want to be have to be a superhero. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not all of us can be Tobey Maguire, <laughs> but uh, we're on our way. Uh, so let's talk about that incident and uh, stretch your legs out, folks, and get comfy. Um, <laughs> it's just like in my <laughs> In my oh man, it's, it's, I, it's just, so bright too. They're not how do they not get in your peripheral? Crossing his leg, the biggest boat. <laughs> do they? No one can make these look good. No, except for this guy right here. You're looking at him. That's first time croc owner, <laughs> proud owner. This man is not an exception to the rule. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break it to you. We're talking about John Croc right here. Um, all right. So this happened on the evening of November 22nd, 1987. 
During WGN's 9 o'clock news, sports anchor Dan Roan was covering the Chicago Bears' win against the Detroit Lions, but that was abruptly stopped. For 10 seconds, the viewers had nothing but a black screen, which is very odd if you're just watching normal broadcast. But then at about 9.16 p.m., the image on the screen suddenly changed to something completely different. It featured a person wearing a suit and a rubber Max Headroom mask with sunglasses, while a piece of corrugated metal kind of rotated back and forth behind him. Corrugated metal being that kind of ripply metal. Uh, every inch or two, there's another like kind of wave or whatever. Uh, something that you might put on like an, a shed or a, an outdoor garage. So clearly at this point, everybody behind the station realizes that the signal has been hijacked. Now briefly for some background on Max Headroom. It was a popular TV character from around that time and he was supposedly the first computer-generated TV personality. Now, it was a person in some heavy makeup. I think you might recognize Eminem did a music video in a very similar makeup style. From um, the Rap God video. Rap God, yeah, that's what it was. Not recalling. You will recall as soon as you see it. Yeah, as soon as I see I will. But for some reason, I can't get the image of NSYNC as dolls out of <laughs> oh, my head. Oh, that's it looks just like that! <laughs> I yeah! I can't get that image out of my head. I don't know why. Don't ask me. <laughs> no, I mean, it ain't wrong. I feel like a, a kid's show like Spy Kids had a TV villain or oh, a movie yeah. villain that was all plasticky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also had the thumb... Like, the thumb people? The thumb people. Maybe it wasn't Spy Kids, characters. but the Thumb People. No, Spy Kids. Spy Kids did. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, they did? did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, okay, so that kind of look. Yeah. It's a really weird look. Super Especially 90s early. Especially with the hair, too. There's some like kids' TV shows. I think some that are still going or were going like five years ago where they just had the hair where it was just like plastic like Yeah, that. what was that piece of cake to bake a pretty cake? That show. Silly Town. What was it called? It freaked me out. The search history on this man. <laughs> I just hear yeah, Christian traveling away on his <laughs> the man in the chair. <laughs> the man in the <laughs> chair <laughs> with the wet laptop. <laughs> like, you guys want answers? I'll get them for we you. We need a cozy pin set, and one of them is Christian in a in a really cozy chair. I need to get you a Lazy Boy recliner. Oh, please do. Yeah, I appreciate. We are on our that. way. That's two v one. The show is Lazy Town, by the way. Lazy, Lazy Town. Town. Oh, okay. Featuring Lazy Boy recliners. You could sponsor this show. But yeah, so so it had this TV personality in that kind of plasticky makeup, and it was supposedly in a dystopian world. This was a TV movie kind of character. Now, the background is what I want to focus on for a hot second because it was a CGI moving background, very reminiscent of Tron, that 80s CGI look. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, uh, like wireframes, old school kind of video games. And that's what that piece of corrugated metal on this hijacking signal is supposed to emulate. It's right. supposed to give you, because it, it undulates back and forth. Um, in the actual Max Headroom series. So the people that hijacked this seem to have some money behind it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this isn't just like a someone hijacked and says, Hi! I'm sitting right. there in a mask. <laughs> Hello! Welcome! They, it's like a whole production. Yeah. That is hijacking a production. 100%. And we'll get into it more in detail later, but like okay. the, the cost of doing something like this, I can't understate... Yeah. Uh, you know, this is television broadcast in its heyday. Uh, I mean, yeah. obviously TV's been around for a while now, but like I'm talking the 80s, the tech behind it is very expensive, cost prohibitive, size prohibitive, and very specialized. Ooh. So only certain people would have access to the kind of stuff. Like a rival TV network. Ooh, now we're it's cooking. Spicy. Yeah. So uh, let's get back to the hijacking. The audio for this hijacking here was only static, and the person was leaning their head left to right, kind of like a bobblehead, or they bobbed their head, but kind of back and forth. Very eerie looking. 
And this was for about 28 seconds this broadcast went on before the engineers returned Chicago viewers to Roan, who was, again, doing the sports news. And when it returned, he said, if you're wondering what's happened, so am I. Clearly indicating that the network had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And that they had been blindly hijacked. Yeah, which is a smart move because you want to distance yourself from whatever that was. Right. Right, yeah. Whatever liability that was, yep. wasn't us, folks. Yep. Like, immediately just want to just like, nope, we had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Cover yourself. Try to cover yourself legally. Absolutely. WGN's channel then continued that night without any further interruption. But now we flash forward to 11 p.m. About two hours later, Chicago's local PBS station WTTW was showing an episode of Horror of Fang Rock, which is a Doctor Who serial. Not like Crunch Crunch serial, but like a serialized TV show. It was an episode of Doctor Who, I believe, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was All episode. Right. Maybe it was the episode was titled Horror of the Fang Rock. Do they call episodes serials? Like, what is... Yeah, it's a serialized show, uh, one leading to the next. It's like a linear storytelling. Like a series? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same prefix. But now, this was almost exactly two hours after the first hijacking. Now we're at 11.20. In the midst of this episode, it gets interrupted. It gets closed down. And again, this person in this Max Headroom mask and sunglasses and the whole getup shows up. This time there is sound and they can immediately be heard saying things like, he's a freaking nerd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is like exactly a top tier troll right here. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he's talking about uh, Doctor Who uh, or the doctor, I should say. But then he goes on to say so many random things. Another thing he said was, I think I'm better than Chuck Swirsky freaking liberal. Uh, Swirsky was a sports news reporter on WGN, the channel that was in the first hijacking. And uh, and he's still in sports broadcasting today, which is interesting. But So now we're already laying the groundwork. Maybe this person knows the network he was interrupting. Maybe he knows this yeah. Chuck person. But it was it, the audio was very distorted, probably to disguise their voice, but also to emulate this Max Headroom character had a very cliche, robotic manner of speaking for the 80s. It was like what, 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 what are we doing? And it was like, you know, yeah. swinging up and down, a lot yep. of repeated, like, woo, like a lot of that. And like so, yeah, this hijacking had a voice modulator on it that was very similar to that. It was kind of like a uh, an ad hoc way to make their voice sound on the fly, like very robotic. It was like a filter that was just on. Jesus, the production value yeah. of this hijacking is yeah, insane. It is. And it's that's very much worth saying because today, you know, we have a system like at home, you and I call right. the Go XLR. It's a mixer, but mm -hmm. in it, it has filters. We could just click a button and yeah. immediately copy this sound. Yeah, voice changers, mm -hmm. change the pitch, all that kind of stuff. But instead, you know, he's got this whole set. He's got lights, camera action, hijacking a signal. His voice is modulated and he's doing a lot of as the voice kind of like has like an almost flange sound to it. I don't know. It just seems like it's just getting political. A little political, yeah. yeah. A little personal, yeah. for sure. Gross. I wonder if because Chuck Swirsky was another sports anchor on the same channel as Dan Roan, I wonder if he wasn't trying to interrupt Chuck on that first hijacking rather than Dan. It's That's just conjecture, but right. it's interesting. And he just wasn't there running that segment during mm -hmm. that time. But he certainly interrupted the sports regardless. But yeah, I mean, he continues to kind of bob and dance around the screen. Not a whole lot so happening. Weird. Uh, doing, saying a lot of ooh and, and and whatnot. And then at some point, he brings up a can of Pepsi into frame and says, "Catch the wave!" And then he fumbles the can out of frame. Then when he picks it back up, apparently it looked like he had one big long like cartoonish finger. Uh, my notes have it. This is the first I've heard about it. 
is apparently he had some sort of hollowed out sex toy on his finger. Probably just some sort of shock value tactic. Yeah. It's just the singular, like, this is just so random. Very weird. This is very, very, I mean, we've had a lot of random stuff on this show. Uh Uh-huh. This doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense? No, not at all. Not one bit. I'll try to make some sense of this Pepsi piece where he's saying catch the wave because Max Headroom, it is is kind of a slogan. Max Headroom at the time, the actual character he's imitating or making fun of was apparently a spokesperson for Coke or at least new Coke. I don't know if you remember that at the time or looking back, there was the green label new Coke. I think they were just trying to get people to jump on the literal new wave, the new flavor of Coke. And the catchphrase for that and the commercials that this Max Headroom character was in was catch the wave. So by holding up a Pepsi, it's clear that he's making fun of this character. Very tongue in cheek, this whole act. And then after this, he says something about your love is fading. And then there's more moaning. And then he sings a tune uh, the theme song to Clutch Cargo, which was a cartoon from 1959, which is another interesting fact because from that information, you can start to build an idea of who maybe is behind this. And if they're aware of a cartoon from 1959. Yeah, maybe like an even an age range. Exactly. Uh, you know, that cartoon was almost 30 years prior to this. So now you, you clearly have somebody who's technically savvy with yeah. this equipment. You have somebody who might be knowing about people personally at other stations. You have somebody who's been around since the late 50s at least. So you can start to build a profile, I think. It's just, I don't know, all of it, it just doesn't, it's just too, it's just too weird. It's very avant-garde. And what's more interesting, and I and there's still more to describe. I want to describe so, the rest of the scene. Real but, quick, so the yeah, first yeah, yeah. time that the network was hijacked was for about 28 seconds. This seems uh, infinitely yeah. longer. This is, in total, about 90 seconds. I'm breaking down literally everything that's happening. Yeah. If you, listening at home, Task Force, if you're so inclined, you can absolutely look this up. There's bootleg versions of this hijacking on YouTube still, if you want to check it out. After I finish describing everything, though, I'm going to show Fredo and you'll get his reaction to it. But it's interesting. It's certainly very, very random. And I think the most interesting thing about this, before I continue describing it, is that there's no obvious motive. There's no... Yeah. What's what? It, what's the purpose kind of thing outside of being just a prank? It gets slightly political for like a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. This is really weird. Yeah. But after singing this song for a little bit, he's kind of bopping around. I very much get the feeling that he is filling dead air. That he's, he's just trying to make noise and be present while he has the signal hijacked because he might not know how long he has this. At one point, he even comments, I still see the X. Uh, And he even says, I stole CBS, is how some other people take that. If he's saying, I still see the X, because he points and he's looking above the camera, it's indicative of, it probably shows him, I have the signal. So I'm going to go, do-do-do-do-do, while I have it. Uh, But then he continues to sing. Eventually, now he says his longest thing here, uh, he's shaking his head and he says, I just made a giant masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper nerds. It's worth mentioning that it's a little bit of a different order, but Greatest World Newspaper probably refers to World's Greatest Newspaper, which is what WGN stands for, which is the channel he first hijacked. So this person doesn't have any allegiances anywhere. He's just hijacking all these networks and call people nerds. He's, he likes this. He's <laughs> really leaning for into the what word reason? nerds. Also, that was a very good point. Like, you really don't know how long you're going to be hijacking the network mm-hmm. for. So it's kind of difficult to plan out material for a certain amount of time because you could be on there for five seconds or you could be on there for a couple of minutes. 
Yeah, at this point, it kind of goes quickly. Uh, I have a decent amount of notes here, but the long and short of the very end of this clip is that he puts on a single glove. It looks like a gardening glove or maybe a work glove. He says something about his brother wore the other one, but it was dirty. He takes it off, immediately throws it, and then there's a jump cut. Now, we're going to flag this. We're going to come back to it because, remember, this is live. We're supposed to be. So you can't really have jump cuts, at least not of the same person, right? Right. Uh, so suddenly there's a jump cut. Someone's up on a stool. It looks like it's the same entity, the same person, because the you see their upper half has that kind of tannish brown jacket that they were wearing, like a sport coat. Mm -hmm. They're up on the, and this is why I want to give you discretion if you do want to go watch this. His bare ass is fully out. You're just seeing side cheek, no crack, but you got full moon happening. What the? And a second person on the right of frame with a fly swatter swatting at their butt. Spanking it. Spanking them. Do we ever find out what the motive is? No, there's no motive. I just... That's part of this whole weird thing. I mean, just a troll back in the day? I don't... Yeah. I have no clue. Yeah. That's so random. Okay, so... Yeah, he's spanking. I guess the very end of it, he's he's getting spanked. He's okay. yelling, they're coming to get me. And he, I think he shows the mask on screen with his hand, something taped in the mouth or something. And then the spanking continues. And then it cuts back to Doctor Who. And man, was that the weirdest episode of Doctor <laughs> Who I've ever seen. What the hell? <laughs> okay, still, so we're then, still on air today. <laughs> if there is a jump cut, I mean, there had to be more than one person working with this mm -hmm. individual then. The jump cut is indicative of this being either pre-recorded in part or at least True. in full or in some ways. And my brain is thinking like maybe, and I would do this I mean, just in case. The fly swatter, that's a second person working with them. But right. I mean, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, with jump cuts and stuff like that, it could be a small team. Could be a small team. Could have been filmed ahead of time and then sent out. True. It could be that they had a recording of things happening and then he was live streaming over top of that and then was like, if I ever lose my live stream, it at least cuts yeah. to this ongoing broadcasted tape is, is kind of what I was guessing might Weird, be happening. man. I think it might be an amalgamation of live and pre-record. And just like live to tape. Yeah. But a very, very odd sight to behold. A couple other things that help us build a profile perhaps for the theory section. He's talking about a brother. We do see a second person in frame. This is my own conjecture. They seemed from what little you can see and from uh, as lo-fi as it is, it seemed like it might be a more effeminate body type. We just don't know who this person is yeah. because their face is also obscured. Or just a man with baby hands. You don't Man with know. baby hands, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but right now, I think, Fredo, we're going to show you this clip. This just sounds like it's deep in the YouTube rabbit hole of videos that I just would never want to be in. Yeah. Catch the wave, and then there's that big finger. Yeah. And then he holds it towards he the hold, camera. Yeah. It's very it hard to see what it seems is. Seems like he has a loose. Seems like he has a loose idea of what he wants to do, and he's just kind of going down the list. Yeah. See, he says. Yeah. So see the X. I feel like, and maybe this is getting picked up in the background, but I'm not too worried about Max Headroom coming for copyright. I like. Yeah, I, I, what in the? It definitely feels like a child who's like, yeah. I didn't think. I thought only if I could do this, not what I would do with this. And yeah, then no, one hundred percent. And then went. Doo, 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 it's doo, like doo. I think we could do this, and and they're like I said, they have a kind of just like a rough outline of what they want to do, and they're just kind of doing it and, and going down the list. It, There's a jump cut. He's yeah. got a little that, that little hot dog thing from his fingers yeah, out of his the mouth. Side of a butt. There's that full moon. Just spanking. It does seem like it's a. a it it's a it looks like the outfit it. with long hair is yeah. where I, my mind was at. You know. What and then it cuts back to D. Who. 
Yeah, I mean, that seems like a person with a partial plan. Yeah. The, the main part like of the, the plan. Like the Joker. Yeah, right? Do I look like a person with a plan? <laughs> yes, sir. Or like, yeah, you know, referencing the Joker, the TV network was the car, they chased it, and they didn't know what to do with it once they got it. Exactly. It's very odd. And I and I want to, like, look for subliminal messaging, whether they're, like, yeah. trying to say something with vulgarity by having the thing on their hand, because they're literally showing their hands, then being spanked. I don't know if that's a commentary on the character or news networks per se. Like, yeah. they're coming for me. Like, I don't know if he's... I don't know. There's a lot of different yeah. ways you could try to interpret it, or it could just be non-sequitur nonsense, right? I, I think that's just com it's just complete nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's literally someone who had... When I think I have the ability to hijack a TV station or two and so I'll just do random stuff on the network and that's exactly what they did yeah um I understand the jump cut more now just because like it's probably something that was pre I mean it looks pre-recorded right you jump cut to someone getting spanked with a fly swatter and you see more than just the like effeminate hand you actually kind of see like maybe like 20 percent of the front of mm -hmm. the person holding the fly swatter's body it looks with the long hair so yeah. i feel like it's pre-recorded to make sure that they could analyze the footage to make right. sure that you can't see uh, what appears to be a woman uh, and her face or even when he's like moving around that the yeah. mask doesn't it doesn't show his neck at all i mean obviously you see their hands uh at any given time but yeah, that that's smart too. So that way you don't slip up live and expose yep. yourself. That's I didn't think about that. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's just someone who hijacked it mm -hmm. and had no idea what to do. It, just because the way they're like, he does a thing, and then you can tell it's like, okay, that was bullet point number one, and then mm -hmm. like looks at the ground, and it seems like he has a bunch of stuff laid out, and, go, and goes and grabs, you know, bullet point number two, and then just kind of loosely plays with it with no. No sense of direction with the, or or like specific intention with the object or the way his hands and yeah. body moves. It just yes. seems like a lot of just like ah uh, okay, I want to grab this can, so now I'm flailing with right. it, dancing around. It's yeah. It's, it's like it's seem... like he's like I want to make fun of the fact that he's doing coke, that he's a sellout, or yeah, or that you know they're owned by the man. So like I'll do a, a butt swatting thing and then this Pepsi thing, but like oh wait, I have the airways for ninety seconds. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So like. What do you do with that? And the, and the big takeaway there too was the I you know I still see the X in terms of like mm -hmm. I'm still in the air, so them not expecting to be on for that long and really not having that much of a plan. Yeah. Other than take over. You made me think of something, the jump cut. Because we're in production, we we might know intuitively what that is, but I want to describe for anybody that hasn't seen or won't see this video clip, a jump cut is, is essentially just a cut in a video that jumps to a different angle, hence the name. In this particular instance, it goes from him squared up, center frame, looking at the camera. Suddenly, there is a cut, and whoever this person is is in a different position, holding the mask towards the frame, and then there is a, almost as if they teleported there is how this works, this kind of cut. There is somebody else on the right side of frame kind of doing the spanking. And you can't obviously do that live. You'd have to yeah. actually kill your feed, maneuver whoever in, in, their, in the scene, and yep. then go live again. But yeah. Very interesting. It doesn't really seem uh, nefarious in any way. It just seems playful, kind of. No, when um, the second line was political. I went, oh man, this, this could like right. really get like weird. You um, could say it, less weird and more just like I was expecting insults to follow. Yeah. About like either the news anchor or the network. Yeah. But it just had no purpose. A subtle bit of vulgarity. But yeah, I think I think it's the underlying 
what could have happened is what really Boy, set people it could off. Have been way yeah. worse. This is like one of those white hat hackers that comes through and says, "Hey, I hacked your system. Yeah, FBI or whoever. Yep, pay me to fix it, or I'm just letting you know it's broken. Please fix it." You know, right. and then they don't do anything uh, that you know of. Uh, but let's dive into the investigation because obviously this left a lot of people in the Chicago area upset, very shocked, um, because this is not something that you would expect, especially that could have been in this time frame. Way worse. They oh, could yeah. have thrown up, I don't know, to the extremes, like people could having shown anything, sex on said cameras, anything. Uh, yeah. a, a murder, like. It could have been really bad, like, mm -hmm. holy hell. Which I think kind of goes into the profile, right? No yeah. clear motive, a little bit risque, but that's it. Whoever this person was wasn't malicious inherently, maybe, Yeah, it, but... it writes that line where, like, obviously, they're, you know, um, the network um, and the authorities will spend some time and effort trying to track this person down mm -hmm. and kind of crack this case open. But there's a difference between like hijacking the network and doing these goofy things and hijacking the network and possibly like, I don't know, murdering someone, right? Right. And at that point becomes a manhunt. So it's like kind of rise that line of like, oh, I'm just going to be goofy, but I'm not going to go any further than that because then they will not rest until I am found. Exactly. Situation, and they will grab every resource possible and spend as much money as they need to to find me. Oh, yeah. So it seems that this person was a little self-aware. You know, obviously these these folks, the, the news outlets then started calling these hijackers pirates, which makes a lot of sense. Very similar to like pirate radio stations. Just you're hijacking right, the a Caribbean, signal. Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Jack Sparrow. Uh, <laughs> pirates of the Caribbean, Davy Jones, you know. But both of these stations, as you can imagine, were just getting inundated with calls from their viewers uh, that evening. Just very concerned, but also very angry, some of them. And WGN employees said that during that initial incident, that first hijacking that lasts about 28, 29 seconds, they said they searched their studio to see if the culprit was on site to say, like, this makes sense. Are they using our equipment to plug oh, right in? They didn't I find mean, anyone. Yeah, that's kind of where you start, right? The same thing with like a missing persons case or a, or a murder case. You start with the friends and family, mm -hmm. significant others. And here you focus on where that hardware is. Exactly. Like, I mean, this is not cheap hardware. This is not common knowledge. So. Exactly. Man, that would have been bold. Can you imagine, like, they went down to, like, I don't know, the Studio B, and then there was just the mask there with the fly swatter. It's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They were here. The ass was here. It was being spanked right under our noses the whole time. That's so possible because as you were saying that, I had just a brainwave. A brain blast, as it were. Because of that jump cut we're talking about, is some of this improv, is some of this pre-recorded, is all this pre-recorded? What if it was pre-recorded so it didn't need an engineer on site? It was something that could be set up, scheduled, and then done because this happened around 9.20 and then 11.20. More or less, I'm very simplifying that timeline, but maybe it was something that could be programmed so when they went to go look for an engineer or an employee somewhere in their facility, it was actually just a tape plugged in somewhere. Yeah. And they could have left the mask there and it would have been really spooky, but then you may have forensics on your tail or something. But Yeah, I'm, which I'm sure they probably like checked the actual tape of the episode or whatnot just to make sure it wasn't someone who edited out right. that piece or edited in that piece for the episode. Man, now I'm thinking of a, a bunch of different ways that this could have happened, but um, cutting over to WTTW, who was on the second hijacking, no engineers had been found working at that time during that hijacking. And so the Max Headroom broadcast ended on its own the second time. Yeah, the second time. Yeah. The first time, 
they had kind of regained control of their signal to their broadcast. So that's interesting to note as well, that they didn't just maintain the signal as long as they could. They kind of pushed the limits, but like you were saying, they they rode that line of what oversteps it, what puts me in the hot water versus what just yep. makes this a prank. And obviously, it's someone that watches the news and the network. Because, I mean, even if I was to hijack a television station, it wouldn't be about the news. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, there's, you know, there's knowledge of the anchors and he some, knew. like, political things and whatnot and the attachments to each other. It's someone that watches the news and Absolutely. politics. It's clear that whoever this was knew which things they interrupted because they referenced the sports broadcast and one of the other people, like Chuck Swirsky, and then also, and this is my inclination, but referenced Doctor Who by saying, oh, he's a nerd, because, like, it's yeah. just during a regular doctor. So it's clear that this person, like you said, knows the networks, knows what the schedule was, what was coming out. Maybe he had the TV guide. You know, remember that in the 90s, flipping through, oh, finding yeah. out what's going to be on that week? You're like, yeah. whoa, this feels like magic. Now you don't need that. But yeah, coming back to the idea that the hijackers shut down their own signal at WTTW, I'm going to quote a an employee at the time who was talking to reporters, and they actually said, quote, by the time our people began to look into what was going on, it was already over. So I don't know what happened on the first network if they discontinued that broadcast themselves or if the network was just ready to tackle it. But the fact that this second one went for 90 seconds, and by the time they realized it and decided to respond to it, they had decided themselves to pull it off. So I'm wondering if they did have a kill switch like you were talking about, or if it was actually difficult to retrieve their signal. I mean, you gotta think that there's things in place now, right, to prevent this incident from happening. Tons of firewalls and software protections and securities, I imagine. Yeah. At this point, I would I would guess that they really beefed up security systems like, yeah. after this. I, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's like, you know, there's been like the Super Bowl incidents, right, where then live TV has a baked in delay now of a few seconds. So that way yeah. uh, directors have time to cut things or cut around things. But other than like a couple of these instances, I'm not particularly verbose on this topic, but I can't think of too many other hijackings that have happened after this incident. I'd be interested to see if we get into kind of like the area of how this would be possible. Uh, I mean, no more than we already have, if I'm honest. We'll talk a little bit more about the hardware and stuff. Yeah. But the technical know-how, I have to admit, I I don't know what it would all mean. So I'd have to simplify it and and dumb it down just for my own understanding. But yeah, I think it's just old broadcast tech that they managed to finagle their way into. And not a whole lot of people had that knowledge or even hardware to do it. Right. And we have a couple other broadcast interruptions that I want to talk about. That oh, kind of preceded this by a few months. That From kind of the set the precedent. Same person, not the same seems? person. Wow. At least not that we're aware of. Uh, but because of this, you know, and, and like I said, we'll dive into that in just a second. But the FCC was immediately on top of this. They're so diving into it. We're going to find those culprits, what have you. Like I mentioned, some other precedents had been set prior to this incident. So penalties for broadcast hijacking had already been established. Oh. They included jail time and fees upwards of a hundred thousand dollars. So it doesn't matter. back then, that's Mm -hmm. pricey. Absolutely. So it doesn't even matter that you're trying to dance around, you know, nefarious topics or whatever. Even if you think you're just pranking. That's the way it should be. It's a crime. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. There's no argument in court to say like, well, officer, it was just a prank. It was just a joke. (laughs) I wasn't doing anything nefarious, but 
Yeah, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's the way things should be set, where it's just like, it doesn't matter what you did, You the line was crossed. Absolutely. But I guess, like, this is as in-depth as we're going to get on the how, but basically, long story short, whoever was doing this was able to overpower the station signal. That's how they were able to hijack it. So they had whatever they had was uh, strong enough in power and in signal, whoever distributes the television right, receives that signal and broadcasts it out to the world, was getting their signal stronger. So that in combination with the fact that the broadcast facility, their satellite dishes or whatever broadcast equipment they had, all sat up on the top of very tall buildings in order to really cascade those signals out over the landscape. Basically, all comes back to the same meaning, which is whoever did this had very expensive and very elaborate equipment to make this happen. Some estimate that the cost of such equipment at the time would range anywhere between $10,000 all the way upwards of $100,000. So this is clearly not something that one could just do from home. Yeah. You either had access to this information, or this technology, I should say, from broadcasters, from TV stations, or this person just had some FU money, and they just yeah. somehow bought yeah. this, but then, like... They're like, sure, why not? But then there's, like, paper trails. Yeah, I don't know. like, right at this point, if... I mean, you're hijacking broadcast signal so the equipment that you'd have is on par if not better or closer to whatever is receiving the signal yeah so either has to be stronger or closer or basically from all that they can be like i think there is a location here in chicago that this is stemming from that's how they can try to track this down i saw at that point i mean i'd lean more towards that this was like a hijacking on site because there would be some kind of trail right like you'd probably look to see what kind of purchases were made. I'm sure you can't just go to a radio shack and I have no knowledge at all whatsoever, but I would assume it's not just like a go to a radio shack and buy these two things right. and just have the know-how. Some um, specialty equipment store yeah. is going to be like, yeah, we made a house call to Bob Fisher up in Chicago it, it, yesterday. Exactly. Caught. Like the thought of just hijacking on site is absolutely nuts. Especially because it was two networks. And that's where I wanted to kind of, I feel this question to Christian earlier. Because to me, another key piece of this was, is there a relationship between WGN and WTTW outside of just being local Chicago broadcasts? And it could be parent companies, could be managers or co-owners or whatever. It could be that the signals stem from the same locations or are received from the same locations. I'm just curious because they hijacked two feeds that had two locations. And so they would have had to be remote via at least one of them. The thing too is that if it was on site, it'd probably be from one location because the thought of hijacking on site is absurd. But two sites is insane. And the reason why I say two sites is because the hijackings are what, two hours apart? Yeah. So I doubt there'd be like, we hijacked it and then we stuck around and hung out and then did it two hours later. Yeah. Right. Like, what if you Google Maps the distance between these two or MapQuest? Sorry, we're talking about the 80s. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not even 80s. But anyway, what if you like Google Maps the distance between these two stations and it was two hours, two hour drive? Damn. <laughs> That'd be wild. Wide open. But yeah, I don't know. Christian, did you end up finding anything to see if there's any any relationship at all that we could kind of pull on between these two stations i was doing some digging but no i couldn't really find anything beyond they're both chicago illinois stations Mm -hmm. they're both owned by different companies they both have different sister stations the only potential thing is that they both have their transmitter at the on the top of the willis tower that's probably it that's the only 
similarity I've found so far. And I think, you know, I, as I always do, I jump ahead of myself, but there is a piece in my notes. Uh, at the time, it was called the Sears Tower in Chicago, tallest building in the city. And um, I believe that's the same building. It is, yeah. I yeah. believe, because I've only ever known it as Sears. But yeah, like, that's pretty much why they were able to say, whoever this was, it was likely at the Sears Tower or maybe the John Hancock Center downtown. But without bearing the lead any further, I want to talk about some of the other broadcast interruptions because, you know, we can try to maybe delineate the differences between this and these ones, this current mystery and these other right. interruptions. And having no knowledge of how this technology works whatsoever, mm -hmm. there's probably no chance that it was hijacked outside of Chicago. Probably not, just Probably not, right? knowing radio waves, um, and, and again, this is, I'm digging into my very limited right. education in this front, um, but yeah, like, the closer you are, especially for radio waves of that and stuff of that nature, like, the closer you are to the receiver, the transmitter, whatever, the stronger the signal, and in this case, it seems like they needed a stronger signal than yeah. the TV was giving in order to take it over, which also means that they would need hella power to, right. to really boost this signal. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor Collins. Hate to surprise you again. It is me, as always, uh, just with some housekeeping notes. Want to talk about some stuff? Hey, if you like our podcast, you know what comes out on Monday at like 2 or 3 a.m. Uh, I don't know who stays up that late and why they upload it then, but hey, they're having a good time. If you want to listen to this podcast, though, 24 hours early, you can start to do that as soon as next week. That'll put it on Sunday. All you have to do is go to roosterteeth.com and become a first member. You get a plethora of content that we have available exclusively for first members, but you also get every podcast, every show, everything we do 24 hours early. Uh, so yeah, if you want to go become a first member with that, you also get a discount in our store store.roosterteeth.com where there's plenty of red web merch and more on the way. I think we have pins coming sometime. I'm just going to make up a date and I'll materialize it into the world sometime in October. I think we have a cryptid pin set. Uh, you can mark your calendars, put it out there. Uh, Christian's right next to me, giving me some weird eyes. But I talked to the ecom team, and we'll make it happen. But yeah, stay tuned to our Twitter page for more official like announcements and whatnot on when things come out. With that said, let's talk about some of our fantastic sponsors. Red Web is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're clearly a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by Wink interesting people. The show covers a wide range of fascinating topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. I recommend our listeners, that's you, Task Force, check out Jordan's conversations with a YouTuber who exposes guru scammers and a different episode on a researcher who studies what turns ordinary people like you and I into conspiracy theorists. There's an episode for everybody. There's all topics under the sun out there for you on Jordan Harbinger's show. So no matter what you're into, there's an episode for you. This show covers stories like how a professional art forger made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. So check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or simply search the Jordan Harbinger show wherever you listen to podcasts. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. Again, that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by HelloFresh. Who doesn't get bored eating the same dinner over and over again? But coming with something new, running to the store, getting it, frantically finding it, making it, cooking it, getting all the ingredients is extraordinarily exhausting 
But that's what's great about HelloFresh. They send fresh, pre-measured ingredients straight to your door along with mouth-watering recipes. They make it all super easy. And like I said, it comes right to you. So you can discover new things, new recipes, new food that you like, and you can try it without all the hassle. HelloFresh gives you tons of variety with more than 50 weekly recipes in all kinds of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients. Plus, HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than the grocery store anyway. So you can have the quality, the healthy food, the save all that money, come right to your door without needing to actually go anywhere. I always talk about this meal from HelloFresh uh, because it's one of my favorites, but the firecracker meatballs are some of my favorites, super easy to make. And, uh, and I just love it. They have this really spicy sauce that comes with it. I don't even know exactly what it's made with, but it's good. I really enjoy HelloFresh because it makes me feel like I'm a chef. I'm able to get my stuff right to my door, and boom, I already know what my dinners are for that week. How much more simple can it get? And also, it makes it super easy to know what I'm going to eat every single day after work, so I don't have to think about it. And uh, it's also super tasty, and I look professional. I look like a chef. I'm not a chef, but they make me look like one. So go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb14, that's the number one four at the end there, and use code RedWeb14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. That's up to 14 free meals plus free shipping, what's better than that? Go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWeb14, code RedWeb14, get those meals, let them know we sent you, and hey, Task Force, eat up. But with that said, let's dive right back into the mystery. Let's talk about the first incident of this kind of nature. It happened in 1986, only one short year prior to this incident. It happened on HBO, and it was by a hacker or hijacker by the name of Captain Midnight. And all this hijacking was, it was text overlaying some color bars, basically that, that kind of test signal. And the text on the screen at the time said, good evening HBO, from Captain Midnight. 12.95 per month? No way. Showtime slash movie channel beware. And that's all it said. This stayed on the TV for about four and a half minutes. Damn. Yeah, quite some time. And the FCC eventually identified 580 satellite uplink companies that had the capability to overpower this signal. And so this is, I'm, I'm diving wow, into these because it gives you scope on how, how hard the, the fact that, that. So they have 580 satellite links that they were like, okay, these have the capacity to do this. And from that, they were able to narrow down a list by users of the text generator that was used to create the on-screen message. So they said, okay, what was used to make this asset, this visual asset? Right, yep. I mean, it's not like they used, there's a thousand different ways you could do it today. But I guess at the time, it was done via a certain software or equipment. And so combining those 580 satellite systems with the text generator usage, they were able to identify a satellite uplink employee, John McDougal, who was interviewed and eventually confessed to hijacking the HBO signal. Whoa. And so the reason I wanted to outline some of these is to show just how, okay, I'm, I'm simplifying it, but just how quickly, because of the fact that signals are can be traced and the fact that it's very nuanced in this time and age, that the FCC was able to delineate who and where and when very quickly. So the fact that Max Headroom to this day has yet to be found it's pretty wild. Oh, I mean, that person was doing it on site with tech, like with a piece of tech that was very like nuanced. Mm -hmm. They were at one of these 580 satellite uplink companies that had the capacity to pull off something like this. And this, and then this person was an employee at one such station. Yeah. Uh, but I guess it helps that he confessed after right. being interviewed. I'm sure plenty of other people were interviewed. And if he didn't confess, he probably maybe could have gotten away with it. But I'm sure that they were just, he was just frightened of the yeah. repercussions and he had told investigators that he was simply protesting the price of hbo max at the time 
which was about $13 per month in 1986. And if you convert that to today's dollars, that's $30.61 in 2020 at least. It's meaty. It is meaty. So, I mean, I don't know what HBO Max's price now is, but certainly not that. So maybe no, John McDougal did some good stuff. But hey, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Doubt it. But Captain Midnight over here, you know, set the precedent for this kind of behavior. This had not been done before. And so this led to the creation of a new law because technically he was broadcasting with a, with a license. And so was this a crime? Yeah. yeah I don't know. Uh, but yeah, this new law made signal hijacking a felony. And I want to talk about another instance, uh, much more brief. It happened two months prior to the Max Headroom incident. There was another text-based signal intrusion on the Playboy channel, which displayed some Bible verses. So based on the technology used in this situation and the content of the message, basically, I'm just simplifying. It was very similar to the last one. Based on all things in play, the FCC was led to the Christian Broadcasting Network. And again, they found another broadcasting employee there to be the hijacker that was Thomas Haney. So now it makes more sense that Max Headroom would be an inside job, that it would be someone at yeah. a company that was employed and had access to this software, or excuse me, hardware to make this happen. But what's different here is that this wasn't text-based, this was visual. Right. They had a costume, an outfit, they had audio, they were speaking to the viewer, they didn't seem to have any motive, unlike these folks. One was putting Christian messages on a Playboy yep. channel, the other one protesting the price range of a channel. And another piece here, and this again is simplifying the technical side of things, but Max Headroom left essentially zero clues behind, unlike the other two. Right, one used, I mean, the other two, they used the, I guess, tech software or machinery, mm -hmm. and that was traceable, but this was just like an interspliced piece of footage? Pretty much, yeah. And oh. obviously, whoever they, they knew what they were doing in, in the sense of hiding their identity, modulating their voice, which also kind of played into the character that they were emulating. And then that piece of metal behind them just prevents you from knowing wherever. That could be a garage. It could be a studio. Yeah. It could be the middle of the street. You just wouldn't know. Yeah, I mean, like... So there's nothing I, to go off of. This, this is just, like, my own personal knowledge, but... Um, back before I did like on camera stuff, I during E3 at IGN, I would run all the different like cut to footage. So we would watch a game conference, and if there was anything of interest or of importance, I would timestamp it and then, you know, very quickly just grab like, you know, ins and outs of like gameplay footage. And then during the live stream, just cut to that and splice it right in while they were talking about certain things. So, I mean, who's to say it wasn't just like a, oh, you know, I just had this CD and I just popped it in, hit play, and then just pulled it right out and then you'll never know. Yeah, like, man. God, that makes me think, like, what if it was some sort of, like, what if there was a movie of this now and, like, the lead actor is like, I'm, I'm gonna catch whoever this is, but then at the end you find out it was them. I was Max Headroom all along because I'm just picturing whoever was running the station at the time could have very easily done this and then been like, yes, officers, we need to get to the bottom of this. Let me help you find them. And it turns out, like you're saying, maybe they just slipped a tape in the thing, played it for a little bit, and then yeah. put it back in their bag. And then they said, where could this have been from? You know, like, it could have been as simple as that. that actually, yeah, it's true. Just a VCR and player. And off of the... just like a random bet from, you know, right. one bored rich person to another. But now I'm just thinking like, you know, behind the scenes in traditional broadcast at that time, these are evening programs. They're probably planned and scheduled and whatnot. I don't know how many people are working behind the scenes 
And so this might be the golden hour to slip in, slip out, or maybe be the only person in there and be like, well, it wasn't me. I mean, I was clearly running Doctor Who tapes and right. then this happened. That makes sense. Hmm. And I was actually, I had that as a thought earlier because right when it was hijacked the first time, it was what, like 28 seconds or so. And it was around the early evening. Yeah. And then a little after nine. Right. Yeah. Okay. So like a little after nine, but then like around 11 o'clock, they're able to hijack a different station for much longer and it, have the audio come through yeah. and, and close it off themselves. Rather yeah. Than, yeah. And you got to think it's more of a skeleton crew during that time. And then just kind of have a playlist or something like that. Or yeah. Just switching out tapes to see, you know, what goes next on the schedule. Right. So in that case, maybe it isn't, maybe we're giving them too much credit on the technical side. Maybe it was just someone who could easily slip access, something into yeah. a doctor who recording or slip something into the, the broadcast as it was going out. And then that was obviously pre-recorded because yeah. of that jump cut. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, interesting that like, or at least right now, it appears to be that it wasn't someone that just interspliced like that into Doctor Who, right? It, it was its own separate entity of a thing. Right. It was its own signal. Right. They didn't so, like look at the tape of Doctor Who and went, someone edited this. Like That's true. Yeah, I forgot that piece. Yeah, so it's so. definitely it's definitely a signal hijack. Yeah, I know it's all very interesting though. But coming back to the investigation at hand, I want to quote Al Skierkowicz. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, who was a broadcast engineer at WTTW at the time. And uh, and what's interesting, because when you combine this with some of the information we have prior, it's it seems very interesting. They claim, quote, if you were to draw a line between both of our studio facilities, that line would end up somewhere between the Sears Tower and John Hancock downtown. Now, what's interesting about that is that both WGN and WTTW, as Christian mentioned, share a transmitter or at least location of a transmitter at the Willis Tower, aka the Sears Tower. And so the fact that that line kind of correlates with that spot and that that's where both their transmitters are, it makes sense that whoever that person was might have been in that building to hijack the signal to be close to it or in that area in some way. And using that information, obviously the FCC went forward to try to search that area, see if, if there were any clues left behind. I mean, it was probably a very minimal footprint, whatever they got going on, yeah. piece of metal, camera. Ultimately though, uh, like I said, they, they never found them. They never found where this hijacking took place or where they filmed it. But, you know, trying to offer some more conjecture on the motive behind this, uh, as we kind of mentioned earlier, it's possible, and this is what the officials were kind of thinking as well, that there was some sort of dislike for WGN or Chuck Swirsky in particular, but that becomes a little less obvious or less apparent because they also broadcasted on WTTW and there's no real mention yeah, there except yep. for maybe this idea of nerds being applied to Doctor Who, but then they also refer to the newspaper nerds, which would then again be WGN. So that's, uh, but that's where the, the investigation kind of putters away. You know, we have some vague ideas of what the motive yeah. could be vague ideas of where this could have been done I'm, I'm leaning towards like this was pre-recorded regardless of like i don't know it wasn't really edited aside from the hard cut mm -hmm. you know what i mean again this kind of lends to my whole idea that they just didn't know what to do once they got the actual station hijacked mm -hmm. i'm just thinking like they play the vhs recorder and they go all right let's pre-record our segment what are you doing I don't know what I mean, I'm gonna pretty do. much. And, and then, then from they, there, they didn't care they, to edit it or right. Clean then it they up. wrapped and they went, excellent. Ship it. <laughs> yeah. Hack the signals with this. 
I don't know. Maybe the bar was just very low for them. I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it was more. I'm thinking as a content creator, it's I'd be still, like, that's not still, good enough. Yeah, for me, it still leans towards like they just did it because they could. I think 100%. Again, right? It's because the whole just dancing around for a minute or so before the jump cut. So mm -hmm. there was a jump cut, so they know how to edit. And obviously, like if you're doing this, you probably know how to edit, you know, uh, tape. But like there was no cleaning up the first like good chunk of it. There was a lot of just awkward moments. I don't know. Like as a content, yeah, right. As a content creator, you, you just go, oh, this doesn't have like the jump cuts needed to kind of like have it be polished or punchy at all. It was just like awkward reaching for things and shaking things and putting it down, looking down. Like it's very just like, all right, let's just shoot it and ship it. Right. And it, and it almost seems to cut in and then cut away kind of randomly. And so because of the fact that it seems to jump in randomly and then jump out randomly, like the first thing he says is he's a freaking nerd. He could technically be responding to the content he's interrupting, but also then it cuts out in the midst of like the spanking thing. Maybe what was going on was that they had hours or at least several minutes of pre-recorded footage that was all jump cut, just mashed together. And then they were forcibly sending that signal out until they could hijack a single channel i didn't even think about that like maybe that's what happened. the timing was must have been like very spot on for the second hijacking for though. sure because the, the way it's like it jumps cut to the spanking and then it ends and then it goes back to doctor who so they must have been sending out that whole entire signal for however long the duration was and it just so happened to catch it right at the tail end yeah i don't know the investigation is interesting I'd, i hadn't known about those other interruptions and that kind of really makes this even more interesting because they they were able to find the culprits behind these previous two hijackings but not this one and that's so interesting to me and what's even more interesting is the theories and i guess we have uh one person in particular and then two groups of individuals that like again i just never really looked into there being suspects for this and so right. i'm really excited to dive into just knew these. that it happened yeah exactly yeah. Well, the, the first theory I want to talk about is a specific person. And the theory purports that this Eric Fournier, who was an artist, was actually the person behind this Max Headroom incident. So Fournier was a musician and the creator of the character that you might have seen on in YouTube videos uh, from the early 2000s. This character was named Shay St. John. This person was a model who wears an odd-looking mask after being injured in a car accident. And these videos were uploaded between 2006 and 2007, but they were removed by YouTube. I think some people might have archived them and saved them and re-uploaded them themselves, but I don't know anything about this character. So proceed with caution if you want to look that up. Now, fans of Fournier believe that the style of Max Headroom and the incident therein strongly resembles that of Shea St. John and those videos. There are masks, unsettling shock humor, very similar body mannerisms. Not a lot to go off of, but enough for some people. Yeah. He also lived relatively close to Chicago in Bloomington, Indiana. Shout out to Indiana University, IU down there, Crimson and whatever they got. <laughs> uh, boiler up. Uh, no, the Crimson and Cream. Um, that, you know, it's relatively close to Chicago. I mean, it, it's probably like a five to six hour drive, if I were to guess. Yeah, so, so very so we, much doable in a day. Yeah, so, so accessible if you were to drive yeah. up on the weekend or whatever, a hijack a TV station in the evening. And so it's theorized that in order to bring some attention to his band, the Blood Farmers, which, hey... Here's some attention for you, pal. Uh, he wanted to hijack a TV station and show one of his band's music videos, which I think is really rad. If you wanted to, like, you know, what's one up from pirate radio yeah. is pirate television. 
if you could take your music video and push it out to the world, I feel like that'd be such a cool stunt, despite it being a felony. <laughs> I was about to say, that's like, boy, oh boy, not worth it. I don't know. Like, the risks of being caught, the, the fees therein, the jail time. Yeah, like... Good luck with your band future, I guess, if right. you're arrested. Um, yeah, such a huge, just like, how would you even say gamble? You're just throwing it away at that point. 100%. And so a lot of people said, okay, well, maybe to avoid this risk, they continued with their plans, but instead did some sort of sketch or skit to kind of obscure their face, put on this character, have fun with it. But then I'm like, but, but then the purpose is gone. Does like, that tied to the band? Right. It's like, I, I right. mean... So, it's, so they're saying, okay, no, it started because they were going to get their music video out there, man. They're going to get their band out there. And then they said, you know what? Let's not risk it. Let's still do the illegal thing, but not put our band on it. Then I'm like, okay, does, hold on, what? <laughs> yeah, it's just very weird. I don't, I don't know. Like, obviously, you wouldn't want to do it and then tie it to yourself because then you get hit with the felony. Sure. But, uh, I would just say, I don't know, maybe uh, the, it was a fan. You know? It just completely derails the entire motive behind 100%. it. 100%. I, I think if they're not wanting to take the risk of jail time and the fees and all of that, then they probably wouldn't have done it yeah. rather than still do it, just obscure who you are. Yeah. Maybe. I, I mean, of course, I'm just guessing. But to build on this theory, supposedly they had even borrowed some TV equipment to film their music video. And they're saying, the theorizers of this particular theory, thesis, whatever, are saying that they use that same TV equipment dual purpose not only to make the music video but then to hijack the airways got it so then at that point man because then you could that that i mean if it's used for music videos who knows how many music videos during that time was made with said same equipment mm -hmm. and then you'd really i mean did the fcc look into them uh, i don't know if there's enough here to really go off of for the feds to come through. Yeah. I mean, they have the, the equipment. I mean, apparently. Apparently they borrowed that. And I, w I do want to clarify, just for the sake of our non-U.S. listeners, the FCC, you might have heard of them before. They're the Federal Communications Commission. They regulate basically anything that goes out broadcast-wise. TV, radio, all that good stuff. If you, watch Car if you watch South Park and you hear the bleeps, that's them. I uh, just wanted to clarify that. But, yeah, I don't know. And, and so, I guess... Whether the FCC investigated or not, it's worth mentioning that friends of Fournier to this day deny this theory, claiming that he didn't have the technical know-how to accomplish something like this. He yeah. wouldn't know how to do it. Even his bandmates deny that it was him, which I would say if you're a bandmate, you might be part of this. So, of course, you're going to deny. But the fact that close friends of Fournier are like, he wouldn't know how to do this, I would tend to believe it because it's very niche knowledge at the time. Yeah, I mean, the person that did this, I would say... Either has like a career in broadcasting or oh, yeah. um, just the career, I guess, in the like the technical know how, you know, yeah. I mean? like the engineering aspect of it. Yeah, this, not this just ain't like no layman's the layman's thing. Right? Not like, oh, a, mu a musician figured this out. Right. Or at that point, it's a stretch to be like, well, it was a musician who, in their spare time, like had a broadcasting right. degree. Like, <laughs> like some sort of weird science dude. Like, yeah. I don't know. I make magazines come to life and I hijack airways. Yeah, I don't know. And and what kind of sucks about this particular one, as we've we've seen it in other mysteries and, and conspiracies before, is that Fournier unfortunately passed away in 2010. So there really isn't any way to definitively prove or disprove this theory. Though I don't find there to be a lot of strength in this one, a lot of yeah, weight in this one. I don't one. follow it. 
but it is it is interesting because again I hadn't until up until this research really known about any particular suspect or what have you let alone someone with a specific name so this this was interesting to at least look into this next theory is is interesting and kind of brings us back to our bread and butter the internet this next theory kind of stems from a 2010 posting from reddit user bpog bpoag who wrote in an ama post which is an ask me anything post on reddit they said quote i believe i know who's behind the max headroom incident that occurred on Chicago TV in 1987, end quote. This user, uh, turns out their name is Bowie J. Pogue. We'll refer to them as B. Pogue from here forward. Uh, but they wrote that whoever this person was, they were involved in the Chicago's hacking and freaking scene as a young teenager, despite most members of that group in, in that community being older. So freaking stems from the amalgamation of the words phone, free, and freak. Basically, people that, without knowing the technical blatherings of it, hijacking phone signals, basically spoofing phone signals to make free calls. Uh, we take for granted minutes and phone calls now, but yeah. at the time, telephoning and phoning a friend or whatever was actually a pretty costly service at yeah. the time. So this Expensive. was just a group of people that were interested in hacking electronics, phone, communications, networks, things of that nature. Yep. And so B. Pogue is coming forth saying, I know that there's a young teenager in this group of otherwise older folk that is probably doing this. These users mainly communicated with each other at the time on D-Dial and BBS online chat servers, which we talked about very lightly, I believe, Right. in the Mer Merovingian Parallax, what is it called? Oh, Mar the, the, Markovian the Markovian Parallax yeah. Denigrate. The Markovian Parallax Denigrate, that's what it was. So Pogue is sitting there saying that he believes the person behind the Max Headroom incident were two brothers, and he referred to them as K and J, just the letters, not their names or anything, but just K and J as well as Kay's girlfriend. And all of those folks were apparently involved in this community. So it would make sense. Hmm. So Kay and his girlfriend lived in an apartment filled with computers and technology. Pogue described Kay as very reserved and Jay was described as having a disturbing sense of humor. Quoting Pogue to say, quote, sort of disturbing, sort of sexually deviant in nature, end quote. I mean, so lines up, but who's to say they're not just trying to make it line up? Exactly. So Pogue continues to build on this story, saying that he heard a rumor that Jay was interested in newspapers, WGN being a newspaper. Pogue also wrote that Jay often changed the subject in conversation, similar to the style of humor in this incident, how they kind of jump around yeah. ad hoc to all these different bits that they had planned. Like you said, it, it looked like they're reading off a sheet of paper on the floor and kind of going, okay, I'll do the Pepsi bit, then I'll do the yep. this or whatever. Just bullet points. Mm-hmm. And so so they were this Bowie Pogue is saying this feels very much like K and J these folks that I know and J was extremely knowledgeable on many different things and had even hacked a police radio before so oh. and again like you said this is just a story from somebody and so you yeah, have to take it at face value that's the crazy thing where it's like it's all lining up and, mm -hmm. and you're creating the suspect but you can't go off of just someone on the internet right especially an anonymous person talking about other anonymous people with yep. nothing but he said she said to go off of yeah but to add to this otherwise seemingly perfect story you know pogue is saying that clutch cargo that song that this person was singing at some point he added that clutch cargo would have been a tv show that jay was watching as a kid because it puts jay in that age range the evidence is all very circumstantial, but Pogue told Motherboard, quote, I look at the guy in the mask and I see Jay. He also believed that the person spanking Max at the end of the video was Kay's girlfriend. 
And to further round out this story, Pogue says that while they were at a party hosted by the hacking community in 1987, they overheard that Jay was planning something big over the weekend. And when Pogue asked what was going on, Kay told him, quote, just watch Channel 11 tonight. Channel 11 being WTTW's channel. And tonight being, obviously, when that went down at 11 o'clock or so. So later that night, during Doctor Who, Pogue witnessed the Max Headroom hijacking, but didn't think anything of it until later uh, that the person on screen might have been Jay. Now, this is where I pause, and I sit there and I go, this is the excuse you have when you're making up a story. Yeah. Your friend told you to watch this channel tonight. And you're You're part of a hacking group. That's one-to-one right there. Yeah. That's... And you go, I didn't put it together. What? I'm like, your friend, you, you were <laughs> there you because your friend together? told you to be. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's, that story completely falls apart for me right then and there. That is the perfect liar's storyteller's excuse to, to have at the end. Oh, I just didn't realize it at the yeah, time. That's why I didn't oh, come also forward sooner and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what the hell? Like, you're a part of this hacking community. Mm-hmm. And then someone literally tells you to watch the news during that time. And this was a big thing. There's like, there's no watching and going, I don't know what they were talking about. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what. I was watching the channel and, and then it I'm, went crazy. And this man started speaking away, spanking himself. I, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what, what could have been like the thing to look out for. It doesn't make any sense. And like, then weeks later, it dawned on me. Yeah. Oh my God. Is <laughs> yeah, that K and Like, yeah. Come on, man. I mean, a beautiful tale that would have you know fit nicely into this yeah. narrative to package together uh but i yeah. can't part of me I wants I, I so want you, you you want to right but yeah. also because also at the same time you sit there and you go well this person's being anonymous talking about people anonymously mm-hmm. how are they going to get caught or found out right it's difficult it's interesting and like when researching so this like, why not risk it right do it but i wanted to suspend disbelief i wanted to believe that this because it feels poetic right i mean but it but obviously it's using hindsight to retroactively create a story perhaps perhaps it and doesn't give me like just the one piece of information just like anything just like a little nugget or like how go, would they have known that just like how would they know that without being a part of it there's nothing there right all of it is just like uh, these are people that could have been made up out of the or air. not uh, you yeah. know and i and i think that that thinking in you and me is probably going to be exacerbated by this next piece of information at least one other person from this hacking group named, at least on Reddit, they were named Anonymousity, confirmed this story. They claimed that many in the community thought that it might have also been K and J. Now, that's just another anonymous person coming forward to say like, hey, I think it's correct. I definitely think. But what's interesting is going back to that Motherboard article, the writer of that article, Chris Niddle, asked Pogue to reach out to the brothers. But after many attempts, it was clear that they were not going to respond or at least that's what it seemed like. So it's worth noting that the identity of the hijacker may still be a member of this community. I think the community there in Chicago is very interesting, but I think that this could be just a very nice tale. And the fact that they just weren't able to get a response for the sake of the author could be maybe because those people don't exist. But again, part of me wants to sit, like 10% of me wants to go, ah, maybe, but I don't know. Right, I mean, because also if uh, they got away with it, why even risk? anything at all sure you you got away with it why even step into it yeah because i think there's something fun about knowing you did something and got away with it it is worth mentioning though uh because this question kind of kept coming through my head as we were researching this the statute of limitations on this particular felony is 15 years so it would have been up in 1992 the fact that we're talking about this reddit thread from 2010 the fact that this next 
theory doesn't come out until 2015 just goes to say that we're way past it. And so unless yeah. the person has passed away due to age, remember they, they were singing a song from the late 50s or maybe... Yeah, you could have um, just like known about it from your parents or something. It's very true. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm to do something... I sing different Strokes theme song all the time. <laughs> I sing Cheers' theme song all the time. And I, I watched those as a kid, but like I if, wasn't if, really around for If I for was them. to do something that was a big felony like that, I would look at every single detail and make it not me, mm-hmm. right? Characters that I don't care about, jingles that I would, I don't know. I'd research random stuff. Right. Like, I would not have like any just, of it trace into anything that I like whatsoever. Right. Chugging full on gallons of Florida orange juice. Just being like, this man lo- must love orange must juice. love like, orange juice. Today me. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today's the day that I do. I love pulp. The only <laughs> the only piece of my character that I couldn't hide is ridiculous. This is the comfort stretching out the crocs right <laughs> It's the comfort. I just I couldn't just, hide. I took. I have to film from the ankles up. A second. I have to film from the ankles up. I thought you had something real for <laughs> half a second. <laughs> I'm just looking at the ceiling, full stretched out, almost laying down. But let's talk about the the last theory here. This this seems to be the most common theory for the identity of Max Headroom, that it was a broadcasting employee. I think both of us. I think all of us listening have probably been like, yeah, no crap. Uh, But that's the most popular theory, just based on a lot of different things. Yeah, but what do we got to support it? What do we have to support it? Let's dive in. That's the interesting part. Yeah, let's dive into what we have. So in 1987, the equipment to broadcast a signal was very uncommon and very expensive. We covered that. Uh, Other signal hijackings from the time period were also done by broadcasting employees with their employer's equipment. Again, we covered that. But then it comes into the more conjecture territory, right? For example, like when the hijacker was talking about the WGN nerds and complaining about their sportscaster, Chuck Swirsky, you know, as you and I were kind of thinking out loud, you know, maybe there's a personal vendetta here either against this person or against this network. Maybe they were a former, a disgruntled former employee of this location or someone who had originally wanted Swirsky's position. Who knows? But what's interesting too, and this kind of combines these theories as I like to do, just because you're a broadcast employee doesn't mean that you aren't in the hijacker, freaker, yeah, hacker a hobby community. On the, yeah. On the side, on the weekends, after hours. And so kind of combining that with what Bowie Pogue was describing, I want to talk about him for a second. In 2015, now, five years after his original post, Pogue is obsessed with this person, this community, and this incident. Pogue describes his new theory in a text post on the Unsolved Mysteries subreddit. Why is this, this person just coming back with another theory? I don't. I thought. Keep it running. I thought. I, thought, I just thought Keep you it had running. it nailed down already, right? Like, it kind of just seems like if that was the if that was a true story, what other theory? Yep. Like that's that's the theory. Exactly. Right. You don't say. I heard this at a party, and everybody in the city knows yeah. it's K and J. Like, I wouldn't be like, I got another theory for you. Right. I'm starting to think it's you, Mr. Pogue. I wouldn't sit here and and think that, like, oh, I have a theory that Matrix is real. And then just go, (laughs) all right, I got a side theory. Maybe maybe it's the Lord of the Rings that's real. (laughs) What are you talking about? Like, you're in one camp or the other. What is this? Okay, what is this other theory? Yeah, so let's dive into this one. (laughs) Now, I I just want to pause because I had the same reaction as you did as we were going through this. Pogue, my man, if you're still out there tippity-tapping away anonymously, I think it's you. 
I think you are reveling in the fact that nobody knows it was you, and you're just like, let me give them another mystery theory, and they're going to dance around this one, and I'm going to chuckle as they think it's because someone it's else. Like the whole time. Right. Maybe he's like, I don't want to fall into obscurity. Remember? Remember True. Max Headroom? It was me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have another theory about it. Um, yeah, so, so he has another text post here in the subreddit for Unsolved Mysteries, a really fascinating uh, community that I'm uh, a lurker in. And I like to read some of those posts that crop up periodically. But um, Pogue linked up with Rick Klein, who was the curator for the Museum of Classic Chicago Television. And from this, they were able to gather some information. Pogue then went forward and interviewed broadcasters from the time that the broadcast intrusion occurred. This anonymous person? I think so. Unless it was, or was it Rick Klein that did the interviews, Christian? From my understanding, it was it was Rick Klein that did the interviews. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I just misread. Uh, okay. I, misread. Okay. I was about to say, that's crazy that this anonymous person <laughs> yeah. is reaching out to people anonymously this, and they, this, they're this. taking this anonymous person seriously and then there's this anonymous, partially anonymous interview. Well, I guess his name, we know his name, so he's not anonymous anymore. Right. Uh, but... It was, yeah. either, it was either that, that Klein did the interviews or he worked with Klein and they both to did get the interviews those names. together. Yeah, so yeah. Klein helped lend the, the credibility. So, yes, yeah. that makes sense. Because otherwise I was with yeah. you, Fredo, like, this man is putting himself at the center of this storm and I don't know why unless it's him. Okay, so regardless, these interviews went down with broadcasters that were around during that yeah. time window, during the hijacking. They're basically saying it's extremely unlikely that someone would have this equipment at all to overpower a whole station but i mean that there is a slim chance that it is out there but basically uh they concluded that it's most likely that whoever this person was or whoever these individuals were that they were an employee or employees or at least had access to a station yeah and so that really hones us in on obviously employees at the time god who's the no who's to say you didn't get it from like an auction or something right uh, I don't know if there's right? any ghost like stations out the, there or the, facilities left unlocked and un unmanned. Like that, or like it was a pre it was a previous model that you know got lost or broken and wasn't in use and no longer tracked down, and someone grabbed it from an auction or some kind of electronic junkyard or something. Like I yeah, man, I'm really trying to think. You know, like now I'm picturing some sort of uh, Back to the Future situation. You got Doc Brown. MacGyvering in a bunch of like battery car batteries together, sparks flying, and he's like, "We only have enough juice for ninety <laughs> seconds of broadcast." <laughs> Hit it, and then you know, and he's like, Woo! "Do you think?" And he's like, "Oh my god, this is what we're broadcasting! Uh, <laughs> Cut the signal! Our batteries are dead!" And then it goes back to Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just I think this is uh, so I, fascinating. It was I a, definitely think it's someone that has the know-how. Oh, absolutely, well, with, absolutely. With the broadcast background. Mm -hmm. I don't think it could have been anyone. I else. think someone that did this was certainly talked to about it and they kind of just slipped by they say yeah that's weird i don't know yeah you know just some employee that went who yeah. knows how that yeah, happened most likely someone that was interviewed too that's oh crazy. yeah for sure but you know i meant to say this at the top of the show but i'm really happy that we covered this one because this was like many of the episodes we covered this was highly suggested by you all in the task force listening so thank you so much for putting this on our radar uh i i love catching these ones that are for me personally very nostalgic and then i get to share that with you fredo yeah i had no idea this happened yeah and uh and, and the fact that you can like look it up on youtube and be mindful again some side cheek action but like right. you look this up on youtube and see it it's it's so fascinating because i like this one because it's not 
it could have been nefarious, it but it was so bad. Right. It, it, it was absolutely terrifying. You know, also, it was surprising a, that it okay. wasn't like the first time it happened. It was definitely on the, the cutting edge of whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What a waste of time. I, I guess <laughs> like, so. You know, hijacked. a waste of brilliance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This That's man could have been Steve Jobs, though. He could have gone it on just, to make iPhone and Mac computers wearing his new yeah, balance. If you weren't on company. site and you were just you had the money and the know how to do this, what a waste of of a mind. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> then man. again, just for the hell of it. I, that's what I'm thinking. They just did it for the hell of it. I think they, they seemed like they were having the time of their lives. They they you know what that felt like to me, despite the fact that they were singing a song from the late fifties, it felt like to me a bunch of kids in high school, giddy late night doing something yeah. that they shouldn't have been doing, yep. but wasn't super evil. Nope. It was just like, it was it's pushing like, the boundaries. Oh, oh, it worked. Yeah. Okay, uh, duh, and, like, yeah. Um, and they're cackling away, yeah. you know, that's after like, that's like, what it felt like spank in, me, you know, well, like, yeah, I don't know. In the mind of the person <laughs> that was in front of the camera, just like, spank me. Spank me. It's high oh, yeah. school. Oh, yeah. Spank me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, there wasn't just like a show ass and, and the spanking happened. You know, there was the, there was a, there was a go ahead. It was premeditated for sure. Where they got that fly Swatter, like they had to mm -hmm. hold on. Weird, Can we dude. track that fly swatter? Was it bought from a yeah, local dollar store or something like a dollar general? Yeah, hold on. How many swatter purchased? Yeah, it's someone with the with the knowledge and know how. I'm leaning more towards it was done at a station mm -hmm. as opposed to like someone had the equipment and then just hijacked the signal. Right. There hasn't been any incidents. I mean, I know there was like one or oh, two after I'm, that. But. I'm sure there there was two before and I'm sure there was a trickling. I just, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, because also it's just like uh, the Chicago news station. Like, mm -hmm. how far is that going to carry in terms of like worldwide news? Are you asking if there are more on those specific stations or just more? No, just like in general. More TV station Or like stations like really a lot been able to lock down their signals. There, there have been a few over the years, just looking at a quick list of incidents. The most recent occurred on a radio station in the UK in 2017, in 2012, 2009, 07. So yeah, it's happened every now and then, but yeah. not, yeah, it's not super common. That's so weird that it isn't more common. I guess that just goes to show the mm. the infrastructure is pretty sound. Yeah. But nowadays, why bother? You can go on why Twitch or you? YouTube or whatever and put exactly. whatever you want out there. Spank whoever you want, whatever you want. <laughs> Get paid for it. <laughs> Yeah, because it's just kind of like, why? Why? I mean, that's big jail time. <laughs> we got to get a red web fly swatter. <laughs> <laughs> just slot away those mysteries. Oh, no. It's, it's, off, it's, for, the, it's for the ghosts in the oh, monsters oh, under no. the bed. Get away, monsters. Is, it, is there a conspiracy that you're not, a, <laughs> that you don't really subscribe to? Swat it away. Swat it away. Swat oh, it out of your mind. Don't like that theory? Just go ahead and swat that too. Yeah, and while you're there, swat that like button. <laughs> 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 oh, man. I don't know. Like, this is, it's nice every now and then, uh, as we've talked in the past, just dive into some of these mysteries that are. Not so spooky, you know, that they, they don't undermine your faith in humanity or the world. I mean, that, there's plenty of that, but... Um, this is the this is one, just watching that video, it's a pretty cringe video. <laughs> it's so it's, cringe. I rarely use that word, but it's, it's pretty cringe. Yeah, just, it the just audio is like, creepy. It's the, the, the audio is creepy. very creepy, but the whole time it just felt like the in the person's head they were going uh oh, this and uh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah this <laughs> da, 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 oh, the lights are on da, 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 da. Uh, oh ooh, this mm -hmm. and all that uh it's just 
That's what it felt like. The you know, Fredo and I have taken improv courses together, Christian, and uh, it's the improv in us that look at that and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. We go, oh no, oh no, oh, oh, no. anything. Just yeah. find a thing and stick to yeah. it. <laughs> go back to the. You're, you're jumping. Just go back oh, to the sausage no. figure. I don't know what you were just doing. Just latch on to something, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that has been the Max Headroom incident. Uh, it's a nice little refreshing dive back into the past, too, as technology was kind of on the cusp of modern digital, you know, internet and, and CD and whatnot. But, you know, like we're, we are looking to get back into those internet centric mysteries. That is our bread and butter. But honestly, there aren't a huge amount. So if you ever find, as you peruse the internet in your day to day and you find yourself in a strange corner of the web, you can let us know via redweb at roosterteeth.com. You can hit us up at roosterteeth.com. In general, we upload our podcast there. In the comments section, we have youtube.com slash redwebpod, the comments section there. The reviews you guys have been suggesting and the reviews on Apple, all of that good stuff. But yeah, thank you for those five-star reviews, man. I, I looked at the average the other day, and you guys are kicking it. You're kicking it out oh, there. Oh, thank so God. Thank I you. was too terrified to look at them. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everyone. Oh, I don't have the fortitude, the mental fortitude to look every now. Yeah. You know, I thank look you. periodically. Uh, we but, appreciate that. But man, you guys are keeping us floating way up there. So thank you so much. And thanks for sharing the podcast as always. But uh, yeah, with that said. Just like not taking us seriously and kind of just yeah. understanding. We're just scratching the surface of this oh, stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's a more of a, an enthusiastic podcast mm -hmm. rather than like we're going to crack the case or right. like spend three hours you know going over every little piece of detail right so. if we had the the time to to get into every nook and cranny that'd be really cool but yeah. i like i like scratching the surface and living that top life that top of the iceberg life yeah. where things aren't too sinister and we can go home laughing and chuckling uh i also hope you've appreciated audience just uh or task force us being in person, I feel like personally it's, it's brought a huge energy to the show. Christian's on that perma hot mic, so we can get him giggling anytime now. Yeah, every now and then. He doesn't know how to feel about it. How many, <laughs> how many times has this man disapproved of my thoughts and theories, and I just didn't know? Exactly. I had no clue. But oh. now I can see you, Christian. Disapproved see, is I, a strong word. Oh, right. yeah. I'm a so reaction. So oh my god. I think he left the room at one point when I started talking. <laughs> I heard him he stomp really out and slam the doors. Did, yeah. yeah. But uh but yeah, no, it's it's been rejuvenating to say the least. So, like we've been at home recording at distance through quarantine a whole year uh to now finally be in person. I think it brings a whole new dynamic and it, it lets us shine our our personalities a little bit more, which I've been wanting to do with this show. Yeah. Um we have that infotainment kind of feel. We get a little mm -hmm. bit of the mystery, a little bit of the comedy, and uh and we appreciate you guys kind of rolling with it. I swear to God if the task force starts putting in crocs <laughs> as you want to sell some crocs dude uniform. Now that My is an God, idea. I will you know what I mean? Hey, John Crocs, task hit Force us up. looks so cool. There's, there has been a handful of people who have dressed up as oh, like yeah. a Task Force member. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't throw <laughs> Crocs into that. Please. I know it's funny. but don't. <laughs> oh, God. Don't let No. Because uh, we got to have a cozy corner. Eventually, you know, we might be doing like the, uh, you know, uh, you know, RTX again, live in person. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, eventually we, we, we will. Who knows how long the pandemic will go on for. But, five more years. <laughs> five more years. <laughs> no. But like, you know, eventually like red web panels in person and mm -hmm. whatnot. And I just don't want to look out and see everyone in, in raincoats and raincoats and crocs. Like socked up and crocs, up, baby. Socked up in crocs, bro. Pull, Come pull on. Pull those socks up to what, your kneecaps, what, what baby. Are we? 
Oh, uh, high rise sockages and floppages. It's too much. It's yeah, too much. I don't know. I think here's what here's what we can we can go ahead and put the lore down. We'll make this canon. You get comfy when it's time to research. You get comfy when it's time to kick it. <laughs> right, so but every, when you are investigating, when you're yeah. out in the field, it's time to be straight laced. Okay, <laughs> tighten that bow tie and let's go. You know what I mean? So does every desk <laughs> at that point have a pair of Crocs to slide yeah, into? Yeah, you slip in and out. <laughs> just like Mr. Rogers, I come singing away into the door. Just, I hang up all my peripheral clothing. always slightly late put to on, get on site yep, because we're lacing up. I, yep. Well, you know what? Sometimes mysteries need to wait. <laughs> they, they need to like marinate a little bit. I put on my sweater vest. I sit down. I sing to the camera that isn't there. And I, I strap on my Crocs, flops, and Birkenstocks. And uh, and we're ready to cruise, dude. Christian, this man's gone too far. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to tweet, by In the way. It was a mistake. Yeah, Let's be real. It was, yeah. I'm going to get another photo of these Crocs and socks. But I've already tweeted, uh, I think, last week's photo with the uh, socks and flops. Now, that was that was a just a dire situation. I had to leave the house. <laughs> I had to leave the house, so I slipped in, and I was going for this speed. This man knew how desperate that looked. A dire situation. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get this look on. We're going to do the photo in the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Photo happening in three, two, one. You can hear the disappointment now. Uh, thank Bye. you all so much, by the way. <laughs> we'll see you next Monday for another Mystery Fredo. Right back here for another comfy, cozy episode. I will be here. Bye.